0: You know, you are blessed. You're blessed to have guys like Dave and Faye leading you. I want to thank them for what they just did. It was worth the drive through the rain yesterday just to be in the worship this morning. God is here. And I feel refreshed. I feel energized. I feel it's just good to be in the house of the Lord. There's no better place to be. Sometimes, you know, you can struggle to get out of bed, to come to church, particularly when the rugby's on. (coughs) Say nothing about that. But it can be, it's true, isn't it? But we must get ourselves here. We must drag ourselves up by the bootstraps and get here because when we gather, and the band did a superb job. I just was blessed by the worship this morning. I think you're a blessed people. And in some ways, it, 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 it kind of illustrates what's in my heart to share with you because I want to talk to you this morning about a principle, which is that basically God doesn't do anything on his own. He, and he decided that way. He's kind of, I don't want to do it without you. God wants to work and do his thing with us and through us. Sometimes we stand back and say, God, please do it. God, please do it. God, God, do what we can't do. And God says, well, come on. Do it with me. You do your bit and I'll do mine. And the the title for the talk that I want to share with you, and I'm not sure how it's going to tumble out yet. It'll, 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 It'll come as it comes. Is I want to talk about the divine partnership. I think God has ordained it such that his people... And Almighty God is supposed to do things together for maximum effect. You know as well as I do that, uh, or many of you do, that um, God's always had an address in this world. Right? He, he always has. From the very creation, He's always had a kind of a, a contact point, a reference point, a, a place people could go who were searching and, and seeking if they were inquiring about relationship with him and in the old testament if you cast your mind back it first was a it was like a tent it was this thing called the tabernacle which was a portable worship structure that israel god's people at that time would they were nomadic and they would decamp and move to the next place and the first thing they did was they put the tabernacle up they got god you know, in position, and then they camped around God, and they were structured in a square with the with tabernacle in the center. And it was just a, a picture that God's desire has always been to have an address right at the heart of his people. God, Eventually, when those nomadic years came to an end, and they became a settled nation, and they had a capital city, Jerusalem, they built a temple right in the center of the nation. And the idea was... As a nation as a people where where's God live? You know how do we how do we worship God? Where do we go to be with God? You go to the temple, go to Jerusalem, and there you'll find him represented by the ark of the covenant in the holy of holies. And it is a picture that God has always wanted to be right at the heart of his people. There's not a gulf between us. There's proximity. There's there's closeness. But of course all that was just a type, a picture, pointing towards the fulfillment of all things which came in Jesus, which is that God now doesn't just dwell kind of in the midst of us physically, he's in the midst of us spiritually. And every person who gives their life to Jesus, he comes and lives within them. So it's not, that old Jesus, God is here, isn't he? Let's camp around God. No, God's in here. I know him. He's my saviour, he's my friend. And God's in you, and he's in you, and he's in you, and he's in you. If you've let him in. That's why becoming a Christian is the most transformational decision we ever make. God comes and dwells with us. You know, in the Old Testament, if... Somebody had asked the question, well, well, where is the God of Israel? How, how can I go and find the God of Israel? They'd have said, oh, if you go to Jerusalem, you'll, you'll find his priest there and his temple's there. If they'd gone to Jerusalem at certain times in the history of Israel, they'd have had a shock when they got there. Because there were times when God's people disobeyed him. And they got into trouble. And the temple itself, God's address was a heap of rubble. Now you imagine, I want to find God. I'm, I've heard that God's, the God of Israel's a good God. He's, he's a blessed God. I'm going to go and find him. So you get your ticket and off you go to Jerusalem. Or can your donkey in those days. And off you go to Jerusalem and you get there. You say, where's the God of Israel? Oh, heap of rubble? Huh. So it was a load of lies they told me. They said he was a great God. Heap of rubble. They said he was in the midst of his people. Where were his people? They seem to have been exiled, scattered. See, the state of God's address, his reputation hinges on it in the earth at each season of time. And there were times in the Old Testament when it was not good, it was exactly like I just described. Um, You know, pull it through to our day. It's like somebody saying, Well, where is the God of the Christians? I'm, I'm, I'm on a search. You know, I've explored other religions, I've explored science, I've explored the ways to make life purposeful. I think I'll go to church. They told me that church is the place to go. Hmm, which church do I go to? Well, man, get the directory out, Google it up, flip your neck, there's a lot of churches. Even in Newport, there's a lot of churches. Right, okay. Right, I'll pick myself one. Um, Kings. Oh, that sounds good. You know, that's a, that's a noble name. Come on, I'll, I'll, I'll get myself down there. And in they come. They walk in here. And their first impressions, their, their interaction with us, their touching our lives, is their first impression of how good our God is. Of whether our God is welcoming and warm. Or whether our God is stiff and religious. Who who our God accepts and rejects. Who who he's judgmental about. Wow. The responsibility on us. As the modern temple if you like. The true spiritual house of God in this generation. Is immense. Now Peter in the New Testament. He described God's people as. Living stones, 1 Peter 2, verse 5. He said, We're each living stones being built into a spiritual house. And in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul unpacks that a little bit more. He says, This in verse 21 He says, In Him, that's in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together. To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So it's true. If you're a Christian, Christ lives in you. People want to meet God, they have to meet you. But when we build our lives together, we become like the temple. We become a spiritual building that God dwells by his Holy Spirit in a whole other measure, a whole other dimension. Christ in you is awesome. Christ in me is awesome. But when we get our lives put together in community and we build a spiritual house that we call the local church, the power is magnified. I could have had a nice time with Jesus at home in my bedroom this morning. I could have stayed there. But I don't believe it would have been as powerful as being here with you in a shared worship experience. There is something about the people of God being together. Now, there are times when it's right for just me and Jesus to be doing our thing, but God's pleasure these days is in what we do together. He calls us collectively his body, his house, his flock, his people, his nation. We're it. And if our relationships with each other, if all the living stones are are clunky, dysfunctional, like a heap of rubble when people approach our corporate life they go oh well God's not as smart as I thought he said king's church but maybe he's not a king after all we don't want that you know my home church is called life church people come thinking we're going to find life here but if they walk in and we're all arguing with each other and falling out and backbiting and they're going to say huh, yeah I've seen this sort of life before and it's out there in the rest of the world it's no different in here. No, they've got to taste something, which is the life of Jesus in each, every one of us working together to build His house. <coughs> the church is God's address today. We're it. And <clears throat> our task is to build it, strong, to build it well, and I'm convinced that needs a divine partnership. It's no good just standing back and saying, Jesus, please build your church. You you promised you would in Matthew. You said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He did. Jesus said, I will build my church. But then, as we've already read, he goes on to say, and you're the living stones. (laughs) I'll build it, and you're the materials. And and I'm going to put you with him and, and her and together. I will build you, I will strengthen you, I will shape you. I'll be like a divine stonemason with a hammer and a chisel and I'm going to knock you into shape. (laughs) And I'm going to chip the rough edges off. And I'm going to make sure that you can sort that relationship out with those people you don't like. Because if you do it my way, here's some guidance and it'll happen. And as we increasingly choose to take a hold of God's hand in this divine partnership, the house gets built. Just let me take you back to the Old Testament for a minute to give you an example of this principle. <clears throat> Just after the, the Babylonian exile of God's people, that's a period of years where God's people disobeyed him. <coughs> As a result, the enemies captured them, took them off to Babylon. Jerusalem was overthrown. Its walls ripped down. The temple was overthrown. It was that mess I described a moment ago. Eventually, that came to an end. And God graciously made a way for them to go back and to begin to rebuild. And the first thing he said they to rebuild was the temple. That in itself was a picture. You know, don't build your own houses. Don't build the walls. Build my house. If you're God's people, that's priority. We build that first. Everything else gets built around that. So they go back <coughs> and, uh, they, and they make a pretty good start. They, they, they relay the foundations of the temple. And they have a big party. And it tells in the account that the, some of the older guys remembered the former temple. <sighs> and their eyes were brimming with tears. It was like, oh, God's on his way back. We're getting the temple foundation laid again. And the younger guys were just happy. They'd not experienced the old one, but they were like, come on, we're doing this for God. We're God's people. And the young and the old together, and they were weeping and rejoicing. Precious moment, but then they got sidetracked. A bit of resistance came their way, and things stalled. And they they decided, well, maybe hmm, maybe now isn't the time to build the temple. Tell you what, I'll get I'll get my I'll get my place sorted out first. And I'll, I'll make sure I get my house sorted out. And oh yeah, and we're, we better put an extension on because the kids are coming to live with us. And uh, oh yeah, now I've got an extra donkey, so I better build a little paddock. And they got preoccupied with their own stuff rather than God's house. So God did what He always did back in those days: He sends a prophet to sort them out. Somebody with a "Thus saith the Lord" message to give them a kick in the proverbial pants. And that, that the guy was Haggai. If you read Haggai's little book, it's basically that situation that where God sends him and says, tell them to get cracking, get building again. Haggai chapter 1 verse 2 says this, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. And God's saying, well, what's going on? Do you mean it's not time? And a few, the next few verses explain the distraction and how because they're getting distracted, some things are not working out. Then verse 7, he says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now go up to the mountains, bring down timber, and build the house, so I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. It was just a, a des- God's desire to see his house built. And I think he has the same desire today. It resonates through time saying, no, this is the time to build a house. The Lord wants his house built. And he wants it built in a way which will bring him honor and in a way that he can take pleasure in. No, God takes pleasure in every individual who responds to the message of the kingdom. God takes pleasure in that. The moment you were saved, there was a party in heaven. Amen. God enjoyed it. God took pleasure in it. <clears throat> Every time a sinner repents, the angels rejoice. There's a party in heaven. But that's a moment. What happens next? I believe God's ongoing pleasure. He doesn't just park there and go, "Ha ha, the saved! We're well, here, the saved." His ongoing pleasure is. What are you are going to do now you're saved? And his ongoing pleasure is to do with how we build this house. How together we build our lives to be this spiritual temple. As it says here, Go up to the mountains, bring down timber and build a house so I may take pleasure in it. He's always, take, he's always taken pleasure in what we build with him and for him. The lives we build with him and for him. The families we build with him and for him. The businesses we build with him and for him. God takes pleasure in that. Yep, your salvation's in the bank. You're on your way to heaven. Yee-hoo! But I want God to smile on my life today. I want to feel, Steve, (laughs) I just love the way you're living your life. I love the way you're raising them kids. I love your way that every time you make a mistake, you come back and say sorry and press on again. I I love the fact that you... You know, you need help, and uh, I want God to take pleasure in what I do for Him in helping Him build His house. Interesting, isn't it? He says, Build the house so I may take pleasure in it and be honored. We build the church for Him, not for us. How often do we say, Oh, this is my church? It's my church need to come to my church, or our church. You need to come to my church, uh, or our church is... You no, know, we don't say better than your church, because we know that's a bit pompous, but we think it inside, <coughs> because we love our churches, and we. Uh, and it becomes ours. And I remember one time when we made some major shifts to our church back home, and people actually came to us as leaders and said, you've ruined our church. <laughs> Because they didn't like the changes we'd made. And we're kind of like, since when's it been your church? I thought we did this for Jesus. He said, I will build my church. All we're trying to do is listen to him. Because this is a divine partnership we're in, remember? So we want to know, what, what is he saying? What does he want us to do? How does he want us to build? And begin to flesh it out. God takes pleasure in his church. He was the joy he saw set before him on the cross. It was lives coming together to represent him and be his address in every community on the planet. So what the question we have to ask is, if God walked into our church today, would he feel pleasure? Would he think, wow, this honors me? (laughs) Would he feel pleasure? Now, you've actually got to, I suppose, answer the question, what is it that gives God pleasure? And we won't go off on a tangent here, but in Ephesians 1... Verse 9 and 10, you can read it yourselves later. That teaches us that God's good pleasure that He purposed in Christ is to bring everything in heaven on earth together under one head, Christ Jesus. So God's pleasure is universal unity under Christ. He is looking for expressions of that universal unity where he's the head and people come together under his headship. And there's only one place on the earth that that's modelled, and that's the local church. Where his body, he's the head. Churches are what he smiles on, our collective life. That's why I think disconnected Christians, people who say, well, I believe in God, but no, I can't do with church. They're not bringing pleasure to Jesus. He wants them part of the body. He wants them building working together in this divine partnership. You know, when God walks up and down the aisles and just sort of spies down the aisles when we're in the worship or... When God sort of pops in during the worship practice on whatever night of the week it is or drops into the Your Connect group and he just sort of sits in a corner and watches, I hope he's feeling pleasure. You know, sometimes I think we need to almost... Try and take the perspective of God. Say, if God was here, would he be enjoying this? Or would he be bored? Or would he be thinking, no, no, that's not who I am. What are you doing? Getting all sidetracked in that nonsense. These are the things that really matter. (laughs) Would we be doing life in a way which brought him pleasure and honored his name? Walk through your church and think like God. Now, <clears throat> answering the question, does this bring pleasure, does it honor God, can be can be, be questions. But it takes honesty, it takes courage. But more importantly, I want you to see something else from this verse in Haggai 1.8, where God encourages them to get on with the building. It takes hard work. Because look what God said in 180 he said, Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build a house so I can take pleasure in it and be honored. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber. That sounds like hard work. It means there's a climb. Go up. You know, get yourselves out there. Go up the mountain. Go chop trees down. You know, stick them on your shoulders or on a cart, drag them back down, work on the timber, get the building materials. Hard work. You know, we can only build with the raw materials we're willing to go out and get. Now, what are the raw materials for building church? People. You're a living stone if you love Jesus today. But we do life with a lot of dead stones. We do, we do life in the quarry. And, and part of our mission Part of the reason we're in the world is to help dead stones come to life. To sort of, to to blast more stones out of the quarry of this world so that they can be brought into this building project, this spiritual building project and the divine stonemason can get to work on them and together with him, we shape one another's lives to build the spiritual temple that he dwells in by his Holy Spirit. That's flipping hard work. (laughs) <laughs> you know, the modern equivalent of go up to the mountains and get timber and chop it down, our modern equivalent is go make some friends of sinners. Go, go and do some good to all men. Have an open heart. Befriend people. Be willing to have the conversation. Be willing to bring them to some events at church. Be, be willing just to bless them. To, to show the love of Christ to them. Be willing to model the Christ life. Even when sometimes they take, make fun of you or take pot shots at you. Uh, it can be hard work. And we can sometimes get a very grumpy attitude about, oh man, Dave and Faye, you know They've put another event on for us. To, they want us to turn up at this. And <laughs> or you know the church now wants to do this. Or oh, they want to do some evangelism in a new area. and <laughs> It's all work, 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 work. Building church is hard work. And if you do it in your own strength, it'll kill you. But if you'll do it as a divine partnership, knowing that God is with you in it, (laughs) it's the most joy-filled, purpose-filled work on the planet. Every moment of every day is part of our mission to go out and get materials to build them in to the house of God. I believe God knew it was hard work a little bit further down in chapter 2 verse 4 of Haggai, he says this Be strong all you people of the land, declares the Lord and work for I am with you, declares the Almighty. So if he was saying, I know it's going to be hard work you've got to go up and chop the trees down you've got to rebuild this temple you've got to repopulate the city, there's walls to be built, there's all this work to be done but be strong because I'm with you Be strong. God is with you here at King's. He really is. It's not just you turning up trying to get a good atmosphere in your connect group on Tuesday night. No, God is with you. And the divine partnership says, I'm going to pull God into every moment of this. You know, learning a new song to do on a Sunday morning to lead you guys into worship can be hard work sometimes. It can be hard work. Sometimes... (coughs) Musicians won't admit this, but those who are in charge make them learn songs they don't even like. Then, <laughs> I'm not so sure about this song. I don't know. I'd have picked a different one. We have all our human attitudes and behaviors, and uh, we've got to remember every moment of the way it's hard work. But come on, let's be strong because God's with us. And the more we pause and pull God into it, the more we can sometimes just pause and just remember thank you, Lord, you're with us thank you Lord you're for us it's like we started this service with right at the start someone prayed I think it might have been Dave that God was with us as we go through the fire he's with us as we go through the the waters if there isn't God with us we've had it because I'm going to fail I'm too weak I'm too limited but almighty God is with us It's his house we're building. It's a divine partnership. It'll take effort. It'll take strong leadership. It'll take a clear vision. It'll take all hands on deck. But it's going to be worth it. You know, I could, the more I talk about it being hard work, the more you could be left with the impression it's all about us. You know, where's God in all this? All all the effort seems to be on our part. Um. I guess the simplest way I can say it is this, we believe that God turns up and does what only God can do, as we do what only we can do. We've got to do our part. Now, chicken or egg, egg or chicken, which came first? Now, do we wait for God to do something and then do something, or do we get busy and expect God to do something? (laughs) I think we should set off at the same time. Say, right, Lord, we're going to start building this church. And we're going to craft a worship experience. We're going to get some speakers in to help us. Uh, we're going to have some small groups. We're going to have some evangelistic teams. Um, we're going to do some Jesus cares work. We're going to do some doing good for all people. We're going to, do And you, you could be forgiven for something. I think it's human effort. This church is becoming like social services. Not. If the people involved, every moment are thinking, thank you, God, you're with us. Thank you, God, with us. Every one of these parcels, Lord, go with it. Every conversation we have, Lord, at work today, help me in it. Lord, help me with my kids today. God, help me as I try and sort my financial mess out. Lord, pull God in, pull God in, pull God in. If you will live the divine partnership, that's when stuff happens. And God will do what only he can do. No, he turns up. He, 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 his presence is amongst us. We can't manufacture that. He just is here. God lifts people when no amount of human encouragement can lift them. You think, oh, if we just get somebody with a bit more sweat, a bit more uh, energy, get some more extroverts on the platform, that'll help people. No, it won't. It's the Holy Spirit that helps people. It's the spirit that helps people. It's God that helps people. So, you know, oh, well, uh, I can't deliver a soul. I can't heal you. I can't deliver you. I can't set you free. But I know someone who can. And let me, let me explain how he did it for me. And different personalities and, uh, you know, and, and, and gifts and abilities all contribute to making the church this wonderful divine partnership. Isn't it weird how God can speak to everybody at once? And after the church, you say to each other, I really enjoyed it today. You know, I really liked it when this was said. And you think, I don't remember hearing that. (laughs) So you say to your friend, when was that? And they'll say, you know, it was when Pastor Dave said that. that." And you're thinking, no. (laughs) still don't remember that. (laughs) The Holy Spirit can take a fixed number of words that are spoken in the gifts in, in a service. And the truth is, we could play the tape back and count every word that was spoken in this gathering. The Holy Spirit has a way of taking those words and speaking a unique message to every person in the room. I don't understand how He does that, but He does. And we can all leave feeling, "Thank you, Lord. You spoke to me today. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You encouraged me today. Thank you, Lord, for you just give me some wisdom and direction today." Because it's deeply personal. It's deeply relational, isn't it? Yes. Deeply relational. People walk into our church communities, whether it's a service or a small group or just a, a friendship group, and they say things like, I really feel at home here. And sometimes you think to yourself, you don't know as yet. <laughs> but they say, I feel at home. What's going on? God is making people feel at home. The resonance they feel, this sense of mm, sort of belonging and connection. It's a spiritual dynamic. It's just that they haven't worked it out yet. But God is drawing them and God is adding them. Always as we do our part. But if I sit on my behind and do nothing, there's no environment created for God to do his thing. There's no, there's no life for him to work through. I should never be sad at home, me in my small corner and you in yours, hoping God will sort the world out. No, God says, I want to sort the world out. Therefore, will you go? Can I send you? Will you go? Go where, well, Lord. Well, just go to work for a start. You know, talk to your mates at work. Oh, okay. Well, just go to the schoolyard and pick your kids up. Oh, yes, kids. I forgot I've got kids. And, and while you're there, chat to some of the other moms. Let's start there. Okay, well, well, I've got half a day a week, nothing to do. Well, go down Jesus Cares and do a bit of volunteering. Uh, Just do something. And as you get mobile, as you get active, God works with you. And you become part of this wonderful divine partnership. Now, I've been a pastor for years, and we work very hard on what we do. Uh, I can remember sitting in meetings with... uh, with you know, volunteer team leaders and some of the staff, say, we, we need our welcome to be right in this church. You know, we want people to feel instantly welcome, so we need the right people on the door. We don't want grumpy people on the door, we need happy people on the door, right? Yeah, okay, right, well, we'll get some happy people yeah, on the door. Then we, we, they, they need to know how to find a seat, and yeah, when we do communion, it needs to be handed out, and yeah, yeah, yeah. When it's cold, they need to know where to put the coats when they come in, or or do they put them anywhere, and, It needs to feel warm and the coffee needs to be good. Yeah. mm. And we think through our welcome. And we're doing that. Human endeavor. Human creativity. But we're doing it in divine partnership. Believing that Jesus is smiling on it going, that's cool guys. That's just the way I'd have welcomed them. You know, if you're part of the host team here, Jesus smiles on you. And he says, hey guys, come on, that's just the way I'd have welcomed them. That woman that you weren't sure whether to give her a hug or not, but then you did, and it made her a little bit weepy, that's what I'd have done. I'd have hugged her too. You know, the, those people that, well, if we're going to find it hard to interface, <laughs> yeah, Jesus smiles on it. How a welcome. We work hard on our worship. We've referenced the worship team a bit this morning. I think, you know, worship is a fragrant offering, and I like to think that God receives our worship and he breathes it in and and it makes him smile he doesn't go oh Lord it's that king's crowd again where where the hill song again no our worship goes up all the different churches all the representations of his body on the earth and God smiles listen at the heart of my people these are people who know they're saved, who are glad they're saved, who, who want me to be involved in their lives every day. You know, we work hard to make sure that the, the preaching's good and the, there's, there's good order in the services and children are looked after and there's safeguarding in place and we do all this stuff. And God's thinking, well done guys. I know it's hard work sometimes but it's just the way I'd have done it in your generation. It's what's appropriate for your time, and for your day, and for your people, and for your community. Our inclusiveness, our willingness to help people. It's hard work, including people, because some people are hard work. Are they not? Think, oh, We'll invite this lady to our small group, to our connect group, and when you get this lady there, she's a little bit rebellious, or grumpy, or has a bad attitude, and you think, hmm, I wish I hadn't invited her now. I mean, she's hard work. Well, you were hard work once. Go on, you've got to admit it, you were. We've all been hard work to someone at some point in our journey. But someone stuck with us long enough to keep loving us, to keep drawing us in, to keep just working on the process. And Jesus was smiling saying, well done, guys. I'd have included them as well. I'd have stuck with them the extra mile like you've done. Well done. I think where God looks down and sees churches willing to help others, he goes, Ooh, here's an opportunity. I can send people there because they'll actually get help. It's a tragedy when people go to church and don't find the help they, they need. I know we can't do all things for everybody, but we have to do our best. And God knows what we're good at, He knows our heart, He knows what we can offer. And he has a way of getting the right people to it. He will send people who don't even know they're being sent to bump into you at work and at home and in the street in the week. And on a Sunday morning, he'll send people because he knows if I can just get them to that king's crowd, they'll be helped. And they'll be included. And they'll get a smile and a hug, even when they're grumpy. And that's what I would do for them. And if we'll work with him in that partnership, yeah, it's hard work. But we're working with God. You know, all this places a demand on me. <clears throat> and um, we haven't got time to go off on one about the demand, but it demands I'm present, that I'm here. I do pray. Make a commitment to be here. Even on the weeks when you don't feel like it. When you, when you feel like oh, it's hard work, yes, it's hard work, but God smiles. God's with you. He'll strengthen you as you work hard. Be strong. You know, be involved. Don't be passive. Don't, don't be a spectator. Get involved. You know, do something to carry some weight and to, to help us in the process. Churches are only as strong as the volunteer army. Yeah. A building's only as strong as every stone that's in it. And this church is only as strong as every stone that's in it. So play your part. Get involved. Don't be passive. Be a volunteer. Serve. Get engaged. You know, be interested in the other people. Um, Put yourself in. Give your time, your money, whatever. You know, you you know what I'm saying. It's a divine partnership. It's not a divine cop-out. It's like, well, we cop-out, God does it all. We stay at home and pray in our room. God will reach the world. No, the world will go to hell. Because God has chosen to work with us and through us. It's a massive responsibility. And it does involve work. But boy, it makes life worth living. Every life that's changed. Every little step of progress we see people making. Every key of freedom found. (laughs) It does something for you that no other environment can do for you it is all about people building God's house in partnership with him I conclude with this if you keep reading Haggai eventually the people get back on track and they start to rebuild and so on in chapter 2 verse 6 God says this this is what the Lord Almighty says in a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I'll shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. So he was promising them, if you will go up to the mountains and get your timber and build my house, build it in a way that I can be honored by and take pleasure in. And then he says, be strong, come on, work hard. Eventually we get to this verse, we're saying, in a little while, I'm going to fill this house with my glory. And the desire of the nations are going to come. The two things we keep praying for, the two things we all want, we want people to come, people of all nations to come. And when they come, we want the house to be filled with God's glory. Not just with our asthmatas or our hype or our best efforts. No, we want it to fill with God's glory. We want them to walk in here and meet us and go, wow, surely God is in this place. <laughs> Not, wow, oh, Davey, such a lovely pastor. No, surely God is in this place. Oh, the welcome team are so lovely in this church. Yeah, they are, but God is in this place. Oh, that band, they're so anointed. No, no God is in this place. We don't make it about people, about functions, about tasks. It's about God being in this place. And he promises nations will come to the house and it will be filled with his glory if they'll get busy, go get the timber, build the house, work with him, work hard. It's exactly the same in our day. God says, I'm going to fill this place with my glory. You ain't seen nothing yet, kings. Some of you are old and you've got long memories. And it's easy to harp back to the good old days. I'm one of you in my home setting. I do it all the time. It's like, oh, I remember 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Heck, 40 years ago. The years go by. We're alive now. And the promise still stands. The promise is good. God says, I'll fill this house with my glory if you're willing to work with me. So will you commit to your role in this divine partnership? I pray you will. It looks like volunteering, serving, giving, attending, being an encourager, being in faith, being part of the welcome, being part of the help, being part of the inclusion. It, that's what it looks like. But it looks like all that work bathed with deep spirituality, bathed with faith, bathed with an expectation that God is here. I'm just going to pray for you, then hand back to Dave. One of the things that I I do believe is that we have to pause every now and again. We have to pause long enough to remind ourselves it's not about just work. It's not just about the program. It's not just about what we do. I have to pause long enough and allow God to distill faith again, pull us into it. It's the reason I I created a little 40-day devotional called Pray and Build. There are some copies of it at the back which... You can have a look at it if you wish. There. The, the thought was we get so busy doing church and we get worn out. But we've got to pray as we build. We've got to keep pulling God into it as we work. So I want a commitment from us this morning to say, yeah, I'm going to be part of building this house. But I'm not just going to run myself ragged in my own strength. I'm a spiritual builder. Living stone. And I'm going to keep pulling God right into the heart of it with us. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, you know our heart. (laughs) You know our desire to be a wonderful address for you in this community. Lord, when people come in here and meet us, we want them to feel the touch of heaven. To understand there's a good God out there who loves them. can bring them life and freedom so Lord we commit to keep doing the work to do what we can so that you can do what only you can do in us and through us we sign up afresh we recommit we renew our vows to this divine partnership, say Lord let the future be strong thank you that the future will be brighter thank you that the desire of all nations will come And you will fill this house with your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.
1: Wow. What an amazing word. Absolutely. Incredible. Incredible word, Steve. Thank you so much for that. And you know, as we prayed this morning, maybe, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart as to what, you can be involved in in building this house at this time and maybe you want to chat to one of us about that you can see us at the connection point at the end of the service or you can chat to me or Faye anytime or it may be you know in the weeks to come Steve's word the Holy Spirit will remind you of that there is much work to be done there is much much commitment to be given But like Steve said, the joy, the reward of knowing that Jesus, his pleasure and his favor is upon us as we serve him and serve one another and serve the communities that we're seeking to reach. That makes it all worthwhile, it really does. I want to pray right now. You know, Steve spoke about the temple. And about God inhabiting the tabernacle, the temple. And about God inhabiting our heart. Maybe today you're in this place and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. Steve's message was all about that. So clearly spoken about God living in us. It's incredible that Jesus, I find it amazing that Jesus would actually want to live in my life. I know my life better than anybody else. And you know, sometimes I don't want to live in my life myself. But you know what? Jesus loves us so much. He loves me. He loves you. And he looks at our lives in a way that we would never envisage. He loves us so deeply. And right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray and ask Jesus into your heart. And do you know what's going to happen? When you whisper these words, you're going to repeat them after me. Something wonderful is going to happen. A miracle is going to actually take place. And you're going to, you're going to I don't know how Jesus does it. None of us do. But he comes to live in our hearts. And the wonderful thing is, he never leaves He doesn't treat your heart like a hotel. He doesn't treat it like a hostel. He makes it his home, his abode, his temple. So you're going to say a little prayer right now that's going to have a huge effect on your life. Few words believed from your heart right now. It's going to have a massive effect, not just on your life here today and and whilst you're living on this earth. This prayer, this invitation that you're going to ask Jesus, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, it's gonna span for all eternity. You're gonna pray and a miracle is gonna happen right now. I want you to pray with me. You don't have to feel embarrassed. Nobody's gonna ask you to lift your hand up or nobody's even gonna know that you're gonna pray this prayer except you and God. And then maybe some friends you're gonna tell or you're gonna let us know in the weeks to come, but something's gonna happen right now because you're gonna ask. Jesus and he's going to come and he's going to give you the peace that you've been searching for and the love that you're longing for pray this prayer repeat it simply after me quietly you can say this Jesus I ask you please forgive me of my sin move it out of the way Take it away from my life. I open my heart as best as I know how. And I ask you to come in to my heart. Come into my life. I believe that you died for me, I believe that you rose from the dead. And I ask you right now to make me a child of the Father. Amen. Lord, thank you right now for new birth. All things passing away, behold, all things becoming new, just as you have said and declared it. We thank you for it, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, "Amen." Just before we go, we're going to give you an opportunity to give right now. And uh, hasn't Steve been an amazing blessing this morning? We're going to bless him as God's people. Do you know? Listen, why don't you in this in this week ahead and weeks to come? Why don't you listen again? to that message if one of your friends weren't here today because they were watching the rugby the little tinkers Did anybody know did Wales win oh don't don't say anything don't Anne wants to watch the highlights later (laughs) they were worshipping at home worshipping another god the little tinkers (laughs) but listen if somebody wasn't here right because they were watching the rugby say hey listen why don't you watch why don't you watch that um that, that, that preach that, that Steve gave and, and encourage them. You know, you can, you can catch up on the, on the highlights through the podcast or, or YouTube. My head went then to rugby. Now I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> lost my thought. But listen, just encourage somebody that's not here this morning for various reasons. Enc- that is a word. That is such a great word with great substance for us to really take hold of. The stewards are going to, or the welcome team are going to wait on you. And uh, once you've given, listen, let's stand to sing. God bless you. Have a great week. Let's go out with joy from this place and win the world that's around us in Jesus.